Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. I didn't wait until Monday morning. I chased him down right away. So that first mover advantage is very important. It's a combination of finding the deals and doing whatever it takes to take them down. Before we get into it, I want to introduce you to Groundbreaker, today's sponsor and partner. They are an all-in-one suite of tools for small to medium-sized real estate syndicators. They've got a special focus on real estate syndicators with 1 million to 100 million assets under management. They help you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Groundbreaker will help you scale your business without the need to scale your overhead. So they're going to help reduce your costs because of the admin team that won't need to be as large. And they're going to help you reduce your risk of data breach because of the security systems that they have in place. They'll help you increase your revenue by growing your assets under management because you're going to be allowed to focus on the things that are most important, like business growth and operations, not those administrative logistics. And ultimately, they're going to help you elevate your company's brand and professionalism and investor experience because your investors are going to enjoy having this platform with all their information versus however you're currently doing it. Three things specifically about Groundbreaker I personally like. One, super easy to use from an investor standpoint and from a general partner standpoint. Two, it allows investors and general partners to fund electronically, meaning that a limited partner can complete their entire subscription and funding cycle without leaving the platform. And on the general partnership side, for distributions, you can set it up so that you can trigger bulk ACH payments within the platform. And then the last thing I really like about Groundbreaker is it's, well, it's cost effective. It's healthy to the bottom line. Their basic plan allows sponsors to sign up for as little as $100 per month with no limits on deals or investors. And you can read all about the pricing on their website. Speaking of their website, it is groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe, J-O-E. And when you go there, groundbreaker.co forward slash J-O-E you're going to get access to a pitch deck that the Groundbreaker team created so that you have a template should you want to use that and customize it for your own deal. So go to groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action 
For more information, go to bestevershow.com. There needed to be a resource on apartment syndication that not only talked about each aspect of the syndication process, but how to actually do each of the things and go into it in detail. And we thought, hey, why not make it free too? That's why we launched Syndication School, and Theo Hicks will go through a particular aspect of apartment syndication on today's episode and get into the details of how to do that particular thing. Enjoy this episode, and for more on apartment syndication and how to do things, go to apartmentsyndication.com or to learn more about the Apartment Syndication School, Go to syndicationschool.com so you can listen to all the previous episodes. Hello, best of your listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Syndication School series, a free resource focused on the how-tos of apartment syndication. As always, I'm your host, Theo Hicks, and well, today we're doing something a little bit different. We are going to be officially introducing our new host on the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show and that is Ash Patel, who is joining me today. Ash, how's it going? Theo, great. Thanks for the welcome. No problem. So moving forward, a few changes to the podcast. I'll be focused on syndication school, actively passive with Travis, and then we'll be doing a new series. It'll be a wrap-up series where we go back through some of the older commercial real estate investing-focused podcasts and extract some of the best ever advice from those. And then as the title implies, mashing them all up into one episode with a theme. And then for the actual interviews where we talk to guests, that will be exclusively Ash moving forward. So we wanted to have a conversation with Ash, bring him on to Nication School, just to get to know a little bit more about him and his background and why he is the right person for the job. So Ash, maybe start off by giving us a quick bio on who you are and how you're involved in real estate investing. First, big shoes to fill, following in your footsteps. <laughs> I am not unlike a lot of our best ever listeners, where I started out in the corporate world, did the nine to five, I had a 15 year career in IT, and I accidentally found real estate because somebody told me it's a great way to get some tax advantages. So back then, this is 2011, 2012, I don't even think Joe Fairless was putting out content back then. Mm-hmm. And Bigger Pockets may have started, I'm not sure. So there weren't all these resources out there where I could educate myself first and then get into real estate. So I ended up buying a mixed use building, just kind of dove in, didn't know what I was doing, had no systems in place. And the building that I bought just needed a ton of work. It had a commercial tenant and retail apartments above it. And I thought, what a home run, because my mentality back then, Theo, was when the commercial store lease was up, I can get additional income by running the store. So I wasn't even really focused on real estate. It was just, I guess, adding income Mm -hmm. with a little bit of real estate. And there was a pivotal moment at that location where I was unclogging a tenant's sink or toilet And I saw the commercial tenant was replacing their entire HVAC system. So at that point, I had an epiphany. Wait a minute. The residential tenants add wear and tear and destroy your place while the commercial people improve it on their dime. And that blew me away. I didn't understand why everybody didn't do commercial real estate. So from then on, 
my path was just acquiring more and more commercial properties. What does your current portfolio look like now? Anyone who attended the Best Ever Conference, they heard your amazing presentation. Hopefully we can get that on the show at some point, but what a snapshot of what you currently own right now? So what I currently own is a mixture of office building, medical center, still a few single family homes, mixed use buildings. I've done joint ventures with mobile home parks, some industrial buildings, some shopping centers, a mix of everything, restaurants. So long story, but I'm opening two restaurants and an event center as well. And just like I accidentally got led into this real estate world, I accidentally stumbled into the restaurant business as well. So over the years, I've done a bit of everything, uh, ground up development, flips on commercial, buy and holds, triple nets, but most of my focus has been on value add. So I don't want to buy the fully rented shopping center, the fully leased Starbucks on a 10-year corporate guaranteed lease. I want to buy the vacant stuff or the half-vacant shopping center where I can go in, add value, and maximize returns. And I'm a hands-on landlord, never used a property management company, and don't think I ever will. And my philosophy on that is my tenants deserve my attention. So if there's a problem, that is an opportunity for me to make a positive impression. So in a nutshell, that's my experience. That's super fascinating because when you talk to the people on the show, a lot of people's best ever advice is to focus on one thing, find that one asset class. And then within that asset class, find that one particular business plan or that one small niche that you become an expert on where it sounds like you're kind of the opposite where you're doing a little bit of everything. So is there like a common thread between all those that allows you to be successful by investing in all the different types of commercial real estate? Is that just something you've naturally had or did it take some work to acquire that skill? While I could take that as a compliment, it's really not. I have a short attention span, so I get bored quickly and I don't have systems in place. I can't do what a lot of you guys do with taking down 20 single family homes in a month or buying 100 unit apartment buildings. I don't have those systems in place. I don't have the patience for that. So I shoot from the hip a lot. The commonality is I chase cash on cash returns. So most of my deals at entry are 40% cash on cash and with the value add are upwards of 70%. So the commonality is, yeah, just adding value, being able to maximize returns. So I mentioned earlier, you gave a really good talk during the Best Ever Conference about how you actually chase down these deals. And it's not something that, as you mentioned, it's like a quick thing where you can just rinse and repeat it. It sounded like it was a lot of proactive effort and you have going out and continuously contacting people. Can you maybe walk us through one example of that, of you chasing down one of these really high cash on cash return deals? Yes. So I will look at every commercial property that comes online in a hundred mile radius several times per day. I'll scour a bunch of different sources to find that. And a lot of times I win these deals by having first mover advantage. A great example of that, Theo, is there was a Friday night where for the last time that evening, I looked one last time to see what new deals popped up. And I found a shopping center up for sale. It was listed as triple net with $117,000 NOI. The listing price on that was $650,000. Now those numbers don't add up. And back then to show you my mindset, 
I didn't even know to use cap rate to evaluate the health of the deal. So I just did my simple cursory numbers. And again, it just didn't add up. The numbers were too skewed. So I didn't sleep that night. I came downstairs to my office and I researched the property, the neighborhood, the owners, the previous owners, the businesses, their social media profiles, full eight-hour CSI episode that night. And at about 7.30 the next morning, I figured it was time to wake up this listing realtor and start calling. I didn't call the night before because it was too late. So I start tracking this guy down and I can't get a hold of him. So I call his colleagues, I call his boss at his brokerage. And finally, three or four hours later, I get a hold of him and I asked him a few basic questions. And I found out that, yes, this was a triple net lease. All of these are long-term tenants and they're all on leases that extend out two, three, four years. Perfect. I'll buy it. I bought that building for $625,000 on Sunday night. We had an executed contract. Monday morning, he received cash offers for $200,000 above list. And my price was $25,000 below list because I didn't wait until Monday morning. I chased him down right away. So that first mover advantage is very important. It's a combination of finding the deals and doing whatever it takes to take them down. I've spoken to a lot of people and they'll come to me and say, "Ah, I found this great deal. What have you done to acquire it or take it down? Well, I left a couple of voicemails for the realtor. No, 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 no. That's your only mission in life at that point is to chase that guy down, find out about the property and execute that deal. That's it. You don't wait. If this is a good deal, whatever it takes to acquire it. Thank you for sharing that. Something else you mentioned too, is that I mean, obviously we talked about you chasing down deals, constant looking at the MLS now you're going to be hosting the podcast. You don't have your own property management company, you're self-managing. How do you have time to do all these things? What's your tip on how to maximize your time and being very efficient with your time? Great question. And thinking out loud, I look at my tenants as partners. So in an office building that I have, I've got a tenant who will clean up around the parking lot. I take half of a rent off because she cleans the common areas, the bathrooms, the hallways. And that's my boots on the ground. That's essentially my property management company. And you cannot get better than that. Having an actual tenant that's there, your eyes and ears, your boots on the ground, because they're going to take care of your place better than a property management company would. And it behooves them to communicate with you and let you know what needs to get done. So in all of my properties, I've got a great relationship with my tenants. As a matter of fact, once a quarter, I host a happy hour, either at my house or out somewhere. And that happy hour is a combination of a team building networking session, and then just a have a good time session. So I'll usually have an agenda where I want my tenants to learn from each other. Maybe you share your ideas about social media marketing, learn from all of these other businesses that are all under one roof or under one landlord, so to speak. And that helps build teams as well. And I think from my tenants' perspective, they realize that I have a vested interest in their success. And part of that is me not wanting them to leave and deal with the turnover, but it's just a win-win all the way around. So my best property managers are my tenants. That's a very interesting approach. You passively invest too, right? I do. I've been investing solely with Joe since 2015. 
and I've been in several of his deals. How do you decide how much of your capital to allocate towards passive investing versus your own active business? That's a great question. And I think I asked myself that recently and didn't come up with a good answer. What I'll tell you is that when you invest in somebody who just has apartment investing down to a science, you maximize your returns both on cash flow and taxable write-offs. So when I invest with Joe and Ashcroft, at the end of every year, I get these huge negative K-1s that I get to write off other income against. So I think when people look at passive returns, they often fail to look at the tax benefits of that, right? So these massive negative K-1s can offset other income, and that can be a huge plus to your bottom line. Makes sense. What do you have to do for funds when you're not doing real estate? What are some of your other hobbies outside of chasing deals and passive investing and hosting the podcast and all the other businesses you're into? So chasing the deals is probably 90% of it. (laughs) Other things, we've got a little house on a lake, not far from here. I've got young kids that are eight and 11, spending time with them. We got them into skiing this year. And I sound old, but having those kids keeps me active. I get out, ride bikes with them, wiffle ball tournaments, and just really spend time with family. A lot of my friends are also real estate investors as well. So we've got a great community here in Cincinnati. Tomorrow, I'm hosting a poker game for a bunch of real estate investors. So really just spending time with family and friends. That's great. So this wouldn't be the best real estate investing advice ever, Chef. I didn't ask you the money question. So Ash, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? I should know this. I think there's so many (laughs) different pieces of advice. For experienced investors, figure out how to scale your business. Continue to grow because it's easy to become complacent when you have a decent amount of cash flow coming in, but always keep your eyes on the next deal. How do you grow? And for me, I've realized that I need to do more joint ventures and partnerships to help offset some of the management of these assets. So that helps me to continue to grow, but always keep your eyes on your three, four, five-year plan and figure out how you're going to continue to grow. Just don't become complacent. More tactically, what do you do to make sure your three to five-year goal is always top of mind? Is it like a vision board? Is it a written plan? You just have it in your head? It's Yeah, it's written down goals, but more importantly, it's defining the tasks that will get you to those goals. And I realized the problem with me is I've been doing this for almost 10 years and I'm only accountable to me. So I'm in my office many hours throughout the day and it's easy for me to get sidetracked or go down a a rabbit hole and lose hours at a time. So for me to hold myself accountable, I've actually just engaged with a business coach. It's Trevor McGregor. I think a lot of our best ever listeners have heard of him or know of him. Oh, yeah. So that's me being introspective and realizing I've got a lot of habits that I need to fix. I'm very inefficient at times and I need to work on that. And that alone should help reach a lot of these goals. Uh, Should we do a best ever lightning round? Let's do it. Again, I should have been prepared for this, but let's do it. We'll wing it. Groundbreaker helps you increase productivity and investor satisfaction by automating fundraising, reporting, and investor relations through elegant and powerful workflows built by syndicators for syndicators. Go to groundbreaker.co 
forward slash Joe. That's groundbreaker.co forward slash Joe to get a free deal pitch deck template. Ash, what is the best ever book you've recently read? Uh, there's a book called Rocket Fuel. And the reason I like that book is because it reinforces that a lot of what I thought were my flaws are not really flaws. And in that book, it talks about every great company has a visionary and then an integrator. And the visionaries are not taskmasters. And I realize I'm by no means a taskmaster. So I need systems or partners to help me with the integration, which is why I got the business coach. All these years, I thought it was just a flaw that I've got a short attention span. I'm not good with the back-end bookkeeping. And in reality, this book just taught me that I'm a visionary, need to focus on that and supplement the integration somehow. Yeah, a lot of people, when they talk about finding business partners and team members, they always talk about that. Don't attempt to force a square peg in a round hole, in a sense, and just figure out what you're really good at and what you like to do. And then just find a business partner to do a really big thing that needs to be done or find a virtual assistant or another team member to do something if it's a kind of a lower dollar per hour activity. So that's interesting that you said that. I wish you told me that a few years ago. Could have helped me out a lot. <laughs> well, you're going to learn a lot <laughs> doing these interviews. You're going to learn all the secrets. And so whenever you have conversations with people, like, oh, I interviewed this guy three weeks ago and this is what he did. And now he's, you know, a $100 million real estate investor. So I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> there you go. So we talked about a good deal. Let's talk about a deal where you lost money, how much money you lost, and then what lesson you learned. Oh, this is a tough one. So several years ago, I had this inflated ego because I started investing in 2012. And no matter what you bought through those years, you're going to make money. You're going to turn it around. The market was on an upswing. So me, with my big head, I found this auction in a small town called Ripley, Ohio, and it was an estate auction where there were real estate investors that were divesting all of their properties. And I went in there and a couple other guys did as well. And our mentality was we're going to take over this town, revive it and bring life into these buildings that had been vacant for 10, 15, 20 years. And it was just a declining town. A lot of the factories in the area closed, a lot of drug problems. So I ended up buying a couple single families, mixed use buildings, commercial buildings, all of which were in need of massive rehab. So I figured I was just going to apply the same formulas for success that I've used in other properties. And man, none of that work. I couldn't find contractors in that area. A lot of people were just out to screw people over. And I ended up losing probably a total of $50,000, $70,000. I was able to exit out, but it took several years. And that was a nice kick in the pants that I needed. Not everything that I touch turns to gold. So come back down to reality and realize that all of this takes work. You can't just cast your rod, find something and make it work. So there's times where you've got to be a lot more diligent and actually look at the numbers, which again, just a great lesson that I needed to learn. Yes. Yeah, one of my favorite questions that we ask because it's not asking them what's the worst deal you've ever done because you kind of think about it. It's not necessarily the worst deal if, as you mentioned, you learned a lesson from it that helped you not do the same thing again in, in the future. So it's not necessarily the worst deal. It's just what happened and then what lesson did you learn that you applied moving forward that helped you because you mentioned it kind of 
brought you down a notch in a sense and made you realize that not every single thing that you do is good. And so moving forward, you pay a lot more attention to the details. So I love that question. You always get great responses because <laughs> usually they always start off. They're like, oh man, not, not, not the worst, but not this. <laughs> not, I don't want to remember that. Yeah, that oh, is a great worst. question. I think I was lucky because it could have been a lot worse. So I escaped relatively unscathed and learned a great lesson. Sure. What is the best ever way you like to give back? Other than charities, over the years, I've offered to mentor anybody that wants to learn more about commercial real estate. And my one rule is I will match my time with your effort. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of people that come up to me and they don't really know what it is that I do, but they see that I'm doing something with commercial real estate and I've achieved a little bit of success and they interpret that as mailbox money, right? Everybody wants that mailbox money. So they come to me, gosh, how do I get this mailbox money? I give them some basic homework assignments and there's a few people that actually follow through and those people I will give all of my time to, to make sure they're successful. And that's incredibly rewarding seeing somebody hungry, put the work in and actually benefit from that. And then lastly, what is the best ever place that the best ever listeners can reach you? Pretty soon, you could probably find me all over the best ever brands, website, podcasts. I'm on Bigger Pockets, pretty active. Facebook, Ash Patel in Cincinnati. LinkedIn, Ash Patel, Cincinnati. I'm pretty good with getting back to anybody that reaches out to me. Yes, as Ash said, he will be all over the brand here soon. So I'm not necessarily sure when your interviews will start, I think in the next few months after this airs. So keep a lookout for those. Keep a lookout for the new, I think they're weekday mashups. So those will air on the weekdays. And yeah, reach out to Ash. And I hope you enjoyed this episode. Got to know him a little bit more. And as always, best of listeners, thanks for tuning in. We'll be back to the regular syndication school next week. As I mentioned, just we wanted to introduce Ash to all the best ever listeners. So until then, have a best ever day and we'll talk to you tomorrow. Thank you.